This is Kanzen Shu, the podcast episode 478 for the week of September 29th, 2019. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Kanzenshu, the podcast, an extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fan site, Kanzenshu. We cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. Hey, it's me, it's Mike. You may see me around as Vegito EX, but hey, we're on a first-name basis here. Mike is cool with me. Back at you with another podcast. Uh, I've been wanting to do this one for a while. I'm excited to do this. Uh, we love talking about things that you don't necessarily see other people talking about out there. And kind of an extension of that, maybe things that you have seen around, but you don't actually know what they are or how they fit into the larger Dragon Ball picture. Uh, and that that's our job here at Consent. You do explain things to you. So this week on the show, you may see him around as Cypher. Uh, Ian joining us once again from Japan to talk about Jump Victory Carnival. Well, not the event itself, but actually the official guidebook and not even just the guidebook, but specifically the manga therein. Yes, there are bonus manga chapters from all your favorite spin-off authors, Ashuasha, Yoshitaka Nagayama, Naho Oishi, Hiroshi Otogi, and you may have heard this name, Toyo Taro. So join us, won't you? Uh, that's what's going to be the entirety of this episode, because I've already recorded the topic and we talked for like an hour. I'm always curious to see what that comes out to in editing afterwards. Uh, I don't know yet because I've recorded, but I haven't edited yet. Uh, so that's what we got going on. Uh, I'm just going to get you right on over into the topic here and I'll catch you on the flip side to wrap things up. So without any further ado, Jump Victory Carnival 2019 bonus manga. I am excited to welcome back someone to the show because uh, I, I really loved, actually, their last contribution. Uh, back on episode 471, we talked about Dragon Ball Heroes Victory Mission with uh, someone you may see around as Cypher. Uh, we know him as Cypher and Ian as well. Welcome back, man. Hey, thanks for having me again, uh, especially after you let me talk at everyone about Victory Mission for an hour. <laughs> you know, I invited you, so it wasn't like you forced your way on or anything like that. Fair enough. Uh, I, you know what? First off, before we get into what we're talking about, because presumably I've recorded uh, at, at some point the surrounding context, people know what we're talking about. Uh, but how are things going over there in Japan? You recently had a, a little language milestone for yourself, too. So it sounds like things are all right. Yeah, yeah, it's going well. Um, I don't know how much longer I'll be here. That's a little in flux right now, potentially another year. But yeah, I just passed the N1 for the big Japanese test for foreign language learners of Japanese, which uh, was surprising and, and nice to have out of the way. I, I don't feel like I'm at that level yet, uh, truly, but that that was a, a confidence booster, I guess. <laughs> That's good. Uh, Julian has noted time and time again, he's like, he's doing really good with his language over there. So I, I think you should feel pretty good about that. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, well, I'm glad you're here because I can't read the stuff that we're talking about. I can look at the pictures. Well, I say that, but uh, they're, they're so short that every once in a while I'll I'll take one of the two pages and I'll just transcribe it myself. I can read very as long as we got Furigana in there. I can read it very, very slowly. And uh, some of the stuff is written at a level. You know, I don't speak Japanese, but I speak Dragon Ball. So I can I can kind of get across what's being talked about. Uh, but I'm kind of excited to talk about this because I, uh, you know, I got in the 2019 book and I really didn't look at it because now I'm just amassing so many of them. They're kind of all blending together for me. But we're going to talk about Jump Victory Carnival. Uh, we're actually not going to talk about the event itself. I'll, I'll tell you what the event is. But we're going to talk about the official guidebook and the the bonus manga that comes along with it. Uh, some of which you, you may actually even own yourself and not even realize that you own yourself. Uh, I, I do just want to give people a little overview of Jump Victory Carnival. So this is a summer event that is held two weekends, once in Tokyo once in Osaka, and it's promoting all of Shueisha's stuff. So all of their stuff, all of their partners' stuff, and that's all the animation studios. So it's not just Toei, it's not just Bandai Namco, it's you know Perot and anyone who's working on any of the stuff. They all come together, they all put on a big show. Uh, the current event as we know it uh, actually started in 2012 as the Psycho V-Jump Festa, and it ran for that year and in 2013 under that title. And then in 2014, it rebranded as Jump Victory Carnival, and that's what we know it as now. Now, you may be saying, uh, all right, that, that's a big event. I, I thought the big event was Jump Festa. And well, you would also be right about that as well. There is also Jump Festa, which has been held each December, I believe, since 1999. Uh, and that's not even the only festival that there is for Shueisha. 
over the the history and, and all this time frame, uh, there have been events that have predated and postdated these. There was the Jump Multi World event specifically in 1993 that had Dragon Ball Z VR versus the the game with Ozoto. Uh, there has been, I mean, if you're a Dragon Ball fan, maybe you remember the 2008 Jump Super Anime Tour. You might know that because we get an animated special out of it. There are all these events. Uh, some of them happen during the same year. Sometimes they come and go. We are specifically going to talk about. Jump Victory Carnival. Uh, And the reason why it's notable is, as I mentioned, uh, for its bonus manga. Now, uh, Ian, we're looking at the 2019 book. I have all the books from 2012 going onward here. Uh, The book we're going to look at has five manga chapters from, let's see, uh, four different authors, I think. Uh, yeah, it's all of the current spinoff, uh, ongoing spinoff, uh, manga artists. So we have, yeah, four total. And so the reason we're talking about the manga is, uh, I think I mentioned this, a guidebook. So this is the Koshiki Guidebook, which is just the official guidebook. So if you go to the event, you get this little book and uh, it's actually pushing around uh, 180 odd pages over the last couple of years. I would say half the book is promotional stuff. It's here's a page on the latest Dragon Ball Heroes update. Here's a page on Broly before it was coming out. Uh, here's a page on some upcoming figures. I mean, Dragon Ball gets a, a bunch of pages in there. Here's a page on some upcoming video games. It's all of their partners, all of their own products, lots of promotion, but it's also directing you to where at the event you can go to check out these things. It'll have little icons for like playable or trailer only or hands on. Uh, so very typical stuff you may even see in relation to like E3 if you're going to a video game event. Uh, a lot of the same iconography there. Uh, the latter half of the book is pretty much all bonus manga. And like you just mentioned, it's from the, the spinoff authors. So it's got its history as Psycho V-Jump Festa. Well, yeah, it's all the Psycho Jump authors and all the V-Jump authors. So in this book, the five chapters that we have, the bonus chapters, we're going to run down what happens in these chapters, talk a little bit about some of the trends there have been over the years, because again, we can trace it all the way back and some of the things maybe you didn't know about them. So in the 2019 book, we have Dragon Ball Super. We have Super Dragon Ball Heroes Dark Demon Realm Mission, which has returned from the dead. We have Super Dragon Ball Heroes Universe Mission. We have Dragon Ball SD, and we have Despo Fighters. Uh, that's that's your baby right there. Yeah, uh, and it's uh, typical of me. I actually didn't realize that this existed until just now, so I am <laughs> fresh off of a reread as you were speaking. A read, a first-time read. <laughs> One uh, more it's just great, pro. as it always is. Of yep. course. So these are the five that we have in here. Uh, over the past, uh, obviously, there have been... Bu- there have been series that have come and gone, like uh, Discross. I I can't remember the full title. It's like Discross God Fusion Max. I forget what it was. Uh, Dragon Ball Fusions had a manga. We got a, I believe, just one chapter in Dragon Ball Fusions uh, in the Jump Victory Carnival over the years. Uh, Dragon Ball SD has been the one there from the start. So Dragon Ball SD started with Psycho Jump. There was a bonus Dragon Ball SD chapter in the 2012 book, and it's been there the whole time. Uh, there actually was a victory mission bonus chapter or two i can't remember if it was one or two uh toyotaro did and then when dragon ball super started up it was actually only one or two chapters into dragon ball super by the time he first had a bonus chapter of dragon ball super it was real early there and he's been there the whole time so uh you know series come and go dark demon realm mission is back in the mix here uh let's just take it going right down the list here we'll we'll start with uh dragon ball super from toyotaro uh so dragon ball super bonus chapters from Toyotaro have primarily been, I don't know, the way I would describe it, he's he's addressing, I don't want to say plot holes sometimes, but more just a like, oh, I didn't forget about that. Here's my explanation for why that is. So we had things like, why did Pilaf turn into a baby? Because they forgot to explain that in the, the Dragon Ball Super television series. And, uh, you know, the yes, manga yeah. skipped over it so fast. Uh, we've had some things like that. Um, tell me about the latest Dragon Ball Super bonus manga chapter here in the Jump Victory Carnival 2019 official guidebook. Sure. Well, one of the things I want to point out about uh, Toyotaro's two-page bonus chapters through uh, Jump Victory Carnival is that, one, yes, he does use them to fill in some sort of series uh, minutia that he hasn't gotten to, but he does so usually in a slightly jokey way. Yeah. So yeah. He, he kind of rides that line. So 
This one is maybe his driest one so far. It's pretty much just a recap of the Broly movie. We have Goku and Vegeta inside the Galactic Patrol spaceship. Uh, they're talking through their ways to sort of come up with a, a plan to take in uh, Moro. And Goku brings up that there was someone who was even stronger than they were, who was a Saiyan, uh, Saiyajin like them. Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> uh, so... They basically spend a page recapping the Broly movie. It's very dry. We get a couple of new illustrations from Toyotaro. Yeah, he, he draws Broly, he draws Gogeta. It's, all right, that's great. And he draws like the, the end of the movie in a way. They're like these collages yeah, because you can only fit so much in, in these pages. So it's like a yeah. bunch of events all, all together in a panel. Yeah, and it really is. It's just narration boxes describing the events of the film in very broad terms. There's not a whole lot to comment on there. It reminded me of reading the, the portions I've read of the novelization. Uh, it's <laughs> yeah, just sure. what you saw in the movie is is here in text form. Uh, so we get the recap. The one sort of new or one sort of jokey beat to this that I, I guess I did appreciate a little bit was... After we get the recap, we have about a half page left, and we have uh, Goku and Vegeta sort of wondering... Uh, well, Goku lets slip that he was on planet Vampa, or Vegeta says he was on planet Vampa, and we have Meirusu wondering what he was doing there in the first place, which gets Goku and Vegeta thinking about what Broly and Paragus were after, why they were on Earth, and they realize that neither of them really know. Uh, <laughs> Goku wonders if he was there because he liked that planet. Uh, Vegeta says he feels like it had something to do with his father. And as they're wondering in the final panel, we have uh, the narration wondering in kind of a, I guess, jokily heavy tone that uh, these two Saiyans, uh, I'm going to keep doing that, I'm sorry, uh, it's force of habit. Uh, but these two have no idea or no way of knowing about the grand events that unfolded during their father's generation. And it just, it points out for me, I, I'm of two minds of this, because one, it really undercuts the entire uh, portion of the film that focuses on past events. Yeah, sure does. It's like, well, here, here's stuff that happened. They don't, they don't yeah. know, whatever. On, on the other hand, I kind of like it in a Dragon Ball sense where there is a lot of undercutting of, of heaviness throughout the series. And it, it sort of points out that even though these characters really have no idea what was going on in the backstory of all of this, you know, they still got caught up in it. It still uh, was something that excited it and interested them. So I'm, I'm a little torn on what this does, but I suppose Toyotaro thought that this angle was sort of his only way to lampshade anything or, or to mine a little bit of humor out of uh, what is otherwise a pretty uh, just by the numbers recap of the film. Yeah, and I think this is the only opportunity he's going to... And it was a timely opportunity at that because this was this summer, so it was... You know, timely in relation to the release of the film. It would have only been within, you know, the same half year or, or so. Uh, like we saw in the Dragon Ball Super Mago, it was just the one panel, and it was, it was the poster illustration that he drew. It was like, here's a story that happened, but it'll have to be a story for another day. And like, all right, and here is that story for another day that effectively says like, well, that was a story that, don't mind that, whatever, we're, we're just moving along. I feel like this is similar to what he's done with some of the prior chapters where he like sets up a thing that we know, but this was, he took, I don't know, like a, a page and a quarter to recap as opposed to some of the prior ones where it would be one or two panels because you already know what he's getting at with some of those prior bonus chapters. This one, it felt like he had to show more. I don't know. He didn't, he didn't have enough room here. If I think this could have been a four pager. I'm surprised this was a two pager. Well, I'm surprised for a number of reasons. One, all of his previous entries have been showing us things we haven't seen, right? Like yeah. things you might have wondered about. Right, right. Uh, what did it look like when the Pilaf gang became young? Uh, my favorite one is the one that reveals that uh, number 17 has been training with a collection of cell juniors that he's raised yeah, it's on his so island, <laughs> which I will bring up again when we get to uh, Oishi's uh, yeah. SD. And <laughs> um, but this is the first time that he's spent the bulk of one of these on events we already know and have already seen, which is mm. quite a departure. Yeah. Um, for the ending gag, I, I, I like how Dragon Ball it is, and it, it feels in the spirit of the two characters it centers on. Uh, yeah, sure. But I, I also kind of hate the way it it undermines the entire movie, which is may maybe more a fault of of the movie script. You know, maybe this was all he could do with yeah, it. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's that's kind of my feeling actually on the movie. I don't know. I feel like this this two chapter it, it doesn't accomplish what I want it to, but it also kind of does at the same time. I don't know how to describe it, <laughs> but it's also it's it's two pages. Like you can't really hold too much against it. No, I, I'm a little surprised that uh, Toyotaro didn't use it to uh, spend more time with Broly, who is his favoritest character ever. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Who he, uh, we know he's a, a Brolist as they are called in Japan. Yes. Uh, yep. and the diehard Broly fans, but he doesn't get a lot of page time here. He gets a total of w- one panel basically. And then he's in the background of some others, but yeah, he could have, he could have done a little Broly on planet Vampa side story if he'd wanted to, uh, unless there was an editorial mandate to this. I don't know. Would that have been too serious? So, I mean, I feel like he, he could have come through with a joke uh, no matter what he w- was told to do or what he decided to do. Uh, I'd like Ooh. the resolution on this though. I do like how it undercuts the film because that's kind of how I feel about the film. So I, I am, as they say, the bias. Um, something I do want to point out about this, you, you may be thinking like, oh, that, that sounds really interesting. Wait, I, I've seen some of these things. Yeah, so all of the Dragon Ball Super Jump Victory Carnival bonus comics are collected in the print and the digital collected editions of the Dragon Ball Super manga. They're usually whatever the next volume or two is that's coming out past when this event happens it gets thrown in there i i believe volume five or six just came out over here in america so we're uh, a couple of these bonus chapters in so if you've been flipping through your volumes you get to the back you're like oh what's this two or four page bonus comic this is where these uh originate and uh tori tower has been doing these for for a bit now super dragon ball heroes dark demon realm mission so uh we've talked about this on the podcast this is back Nagayama is doing a bazillion pages every other month now, and this includes some bonus chapters every once in a while. So I, oh my God, how do you give us the, the, the quickest rundown on the difference Dark Demon Realm mission and universe mission? They're both super Dragon Ball heroes and now they're both at the same time. Yeah. So uh, these two series, it's kind of strange that they both exist. I I guess to get into what these are, I need to explain what they're based on a little bit. So in Japan, you have the Super Dragon Ball Heroes arcade slash card game, uh, right? You get data cards that you take. They're read by an arcade machine and they let you play a little strategy versus game, uh, like a game genre that only really exists in Japanese arcades and, and home ports. So they have their own original storylines. And for a while now, they've done two concurrent game original storylines. So they'll have campaign updates to them every three months or so. So you have the sort of one side that is based on completely new stories, which has time patrol characters who Western fans are probably more familiar with through Xenoverse. There's sort of some borrowed or shared uh, background lore between these two, but they aren't related story-wise. But you have versions of characters that we know from the main series who are alternate timeline versions of themselves and something called the Time Patrol, uh, and they are locked in battle against the Demon Realm uh, in various timeline-related shenanigans. Uh, They're time cops, basically. So you have a a Goku, a Vegeta, Trunks, uh, Gohan, Goten, working for the Kaioshin of Time to stop these Demon Realm villains. So, uh, in the manga adaptation, that was the first serious, long-running Super Dragon Ball Heroes adaptation. Uh, It was called Dark Demon Realm Mission, and it focused on adapting the storylines from the arcade that covered the Time Patrol and the Demon Realm. Uh, That ran for 11 chapters, kind of, sort of. There was one collected book, only one. Uh, Ran for two volumes and then ceased publication because the game was shifting its focus over to original storylines based on basically the characters from Dragon Ball Super and some new original storylines that could kind of sort of work into the main series if if you don't look too hard. So we got an adaptation of those running for a while, which was called Super Dragon Ball Heroes Universe Mission. So that the manga rebranded itself uh, for adapting these other storylines. More recently, campaigns in the arcade for the Time Patrol characters came back, or, or re- rather they had kept running the entire time, but they recently got a big push uh, as the focus again. So you had the return of the Dark Demon Realm mission branded manga as the universe mission manga was still running. So now this author, uh, Yoshitaka Nagayama, is doing two concurrent series uh, 
in every issue of Psycho Jump, which comes out once every two months. He's doing one series that adapts the Time Patrol storylines, the Dark Demon Realm mission, and a completely separate ongoing series that adapts the Dragon Ball Super-esque storylines, which is Universe Mission. So as a result of that, he got two bonus chapters in this uh, special, uh, the Carnival special. Yeah, so I'm going back through the years. And um, so in 2017, we had Dark Demon Realm because that was still going at that point. In 2018, Dark Demon Realm was gone. We got Universe Mission bonus chapter. And now here in 2019, well, both series are going at the same time. So they gave him bonus chapters for both series. So I really liked the, this is one of the the short ones that there's not much dialogue. And I, again, I speak Dragon Ball so I could read it. The Universe Mission bonus chapter from 2018. Uh, these were really fun. It's basically few just kind of like advertising the manga. <laughs> It's like, if you like this, you should check out Psycho Jump and, and read the series. There's also Dark Demon Realm, and that was about the Time Patrol. They were fighting the Demon Realm. And there's collected editions. Like, it wasn't even a story. It was just an advertisement, which I thought was really funny. Yeah, there's a, a panel that is just a Psycho Jump cover with some dialogue right, over it. Right. And then uh, the, the Ultimate Charisma Mission, and I don't think we can really get into Charisma Mission. It kind of like segued into the Charisma Mission chapter, and they're like, is this a commercial? It was just really, really funny. So that takes us to 2019. We get uh, bonus chapters for both series. So why don't you run me through here, uh, Dark Demon Realm and then uh, Universe Mission. Sure. How much background should I give on what the hell is happening in Dark Demon Realm? I, so well, we have, can you even explain it? <laughs> it's a lot. Uh, Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best. I, I guess we have World Mission. It has an international release now. People know yeah, who some yeah. of these characters are. Sure. Uh, right. Everyone everyone played through the whole storyline of World Mission, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I sure did that. I sure have played I did that, that since that the last too, time I for, talked about for, it. Here. For definitely sure. Uh, so we have Mechikabula, who is the head bad guy of the Demon Realm. Boy, I have to take a step back here. So all of the Demon <laughs> Realm characters. Uh, most of whom are original to the game and, and its ancillary media, have been trapped outside of time by the Kaioshin of Time at the end of the last storyline. So they're in this time vortex. They're sort of recouping from their losses, getting ready to strike again. So head demon realm guy, uh, Mechikabula, uh, is offering at the beginning of this bonus chapter to give all of his followers, who he calls his demon gods, they're basically boss characters from the arcade, he's offering to give them uh, more new powers and new forms. Uh, this is basically a way of explaining why uh, these characters have new appearances and new abilities uh, in recent campaign and Super Dragon Ball Heroes uh, material. Basically, in the first panel, he offers to give them all more power and they start making requests for their updated appearances, because I guess every time they get new powers, uh, they get new appearances for marketability question mark not really sure why in universe so some of these are a little amusing we have poutine uh whose character is that she is the girl it's not super deep uh she wants an outfit that's easier to move in uh which i, I guess i kind of appreciate this because she has a typical i am a, a female villain outfit on with like a, a breast window in her last outfit it's not the best, so she requests something that's easier to move in, and sure enough, her updated appearance uh, is a little bit more practical. So I, I guess that's nice. We have Gravy, who was originally this kind of portly wizard fellow who has become this huge muscle man in his last updated appearance. Oh, he makes fun of Poutine, and then she encourages Mechikabula to give him something that's less of a flasher look, because he's basically running around in just a cape and, and underwear. So <laughs> he's the true underpants hero here. He he really is. He's the, the captain underpants of the Dark Demon Realm manga, which is a sentence no one has ever said. Uh, <laughs> so he gets more fully clothed uh, from this point on. Uh, two of the other characters, uh, we have Salsa, who's this uh, Grim Reaper shtick uh, demon. He uh, asks if one of the shorter characters, Salsa, mightn't like to get a little bit taller. Uh, so they have a little spat over that. Toa says that whatever 
uh, Mechikabula wants to give her as far as an appearance is fine. So her characterization in the manga is, uh, I, I think, fairly different from what it is in other material. I'm actually not super familiar with her in Xenoverse. I haven't played them. Mm. Uh, but she's very loyal, uh, a little sycophantic uh, throughout her appearances in the manga to Mechikabula. Uh, and then Dabra is there. He says as long as he gets stronger, his appearance is fine. Although uh, Gravy then encourages him to get a, a little bit more hair, uh, since he's quite bald. Uh, and then Poutine encourages Toa to grow her hair out a bit more. And those factor into both of their updated appearances. And then in the background, we have Salsa and uh, Shroom fighting, which is cute, I guess. Mechikubula promises to honor their requests as much as he can. And we see him transforming into his updated appearance in the last panel as well, promising that their revenge and the revival of the demon realm will now start in earnest. So this one's a little different in that it's not uh, built on jokes. I mean, yeah, it's funny. It's got some cute little dialogue between characters, but this is more of a like an in truly in universe explanation for the out of universe changes that are going to be coming. Yeah, this one is pretty much it's it's almost like what Toyotaro did with his previous entries where it is taking a little bit of something that's alluded to but not fully explained in the main series and giving it a little bit of exploration for two pages. This is pretty content light. I don't think anyone was ever going to wonder why what's what's the story behind their updated appearances, but I guess he just thought that was an opportunity for a little bit of fun dialogue. I know he likes yeah. these characters. He's talked uh, in some of the Extra Heroes publications about really enjoying Salsa's character in particular. So I, I think he's mm. pretty fond of these guys and just wanted to give them some sort of uh, character-centric dialogue for two pages, which he doesn't get to do a lot in the main series. It's very sort of plot beat to plot beat because it has yeah. to cover so much uh, arcade adaptation material month to month. Yeah, and, and especially because of Psycho Jump's publication. I mean, it's going to last uh, two months <laughs> for its time out there between his, his two yep. series. Yeah, every two months to two months. All right, so that takes us over to Universe Mission. Uh, and this one's a little different from how I just mentioned uh, previous stuff that he's put out there. It was kind of jokey, kind of like knowingly a commercial and advertisement. Uh, so what's going on over here? We don't have few. We actually have Hearts and his gang here over in Universe Mission. Yeah, well, we do get few is a very, very tiny little uh, head only doodle in, in a speech bubble. But yeah, this is very similar to what he did with Dark Demon Realm Mission, where he checks in on our group of villains having a conversation. This one is even more plot-centric. It's almost like a, a sort of invitation to read the current storyline, but it is in-universe. So this takes us into the core area. I guess I need to set up a little bit of what the hell is happening in Universe Mission, although more people are aware because of the uh, promotional anime. Oh, yeah, sure. So there was a, a prison planet run by few. I'm going to assume people are already familiar with that. In the center of this a collection of planets, uh, there was something called the Universe Seed, which is situated in this crystalline structure called the Core Area, where the worst of the worst villains uh, were kept in the prison planet. And the true purpose of the prison planet was to gather energy for the Universe Seed, which is kept inside this uh, Core Area. What exactly it is, we still don't know who or why, who is gathering the energy and why, whether it's view, whether it's all manipulated by Hearts and his gang, his kind of implications have varied across different media and different like summary statements on websites, etc. It's all a little unclear, but this particular bonus manga takes place before most of the current storyline of Universe Mission, uh, just beforehand. So we have Hearts and his gang inside the core area. Uh, there are two Sifurijin, uh machine mutant characters based on Baby, uh, Kamin and Oren. And they are looking at the universe seed, I guess, for the first time because they're sort of asking Hearts about it. And they're sort of asking, oh, you know, is this so great? You know, what is this? And we have Hearts assuring them that they need to gather energy for this universe seed to complete their plan. Kamin asks something a little confusing here. She she implies that this is the reason they were going along with Few in the first place. So this is one of those things where different media seem to be on slightly different pages about 
whose plan this was and who was manipulating who. Uh, I really don't know what to make of that. So they they all stare at the universe seed. Kamini and Orden are a little unenthused about it. We have Glass, uh, not Glass, sorry, Legs, uh, <laughs> whose name is an anagram of Glass and whose powers are Glass and who also is Glass. One of the least creative name puns in the entire uh, franchise. Uh, she threatens Oren with her glass shards and says that her whole purpose in life is to serve hearts, uh, which fits her characterization in other media. She is very, very loyal to him. Zamasu is also there uh, with an eye patch, and he's asking about the whereabouts of Cumber, evil Saiyajin, who Hearts is happy to let run wild on the prison planet to gather more energy for them. And uh, we end on Hearts saying that they have to get ready because they're about to fulfill their plan to grant true freedom to all of humanity, or rather all of mortal life, uh, all of the non-divine beings in Dragon Ball. It's that uh, collective use of, of humans or, or humankind that uh, goes around in Dragon Ball. It includes all non-divine beings throughout, I guess, all of the universes in this case. Uh, so we know that somehow or other their plan is to use the universe seed to uh, take down Zeno and all gods throughout all the universes. Uh, haven't seen exactly how that will play out yet, but uh, yeah, it ends with them getting ready to fulfill this plan. So not a lot happens in these pages. Uh, we get a little brief encounter with each of the main villains in the core area of some very, very vague background on what the universe seed is, as all dialogue surrounding the universe seed tends to be. And uh, it ends with them getting ready to uh, fulfill the plan that we see them enacting throughout uh, the main chapters of this storyline. So not a lot to offer here. This really seems like it's just intended to intrigue people who maybe who get a hold of this manga and you know, this bonus chapter and maybe aren't reading the series to kind of intrigue them about what is happening in the new storyline. But there's no real no real jokes here, no new information. Uh, this really is just kind of a hook for potential new readers. I think this one works for the time that it exists. I don't know how, how to phrase it. Uh, you mentioned the promotional anime. Uh, this can work with that as well. It really is just an introduction like, oh, here are these guys. They seem pretty bad and they seem to have a plan. And at least one of them has a plan and that's what they're going to enact and oh go check out the further adventure of these characters but not in like a joking way it's like no seriously this is what they're going to go do so go check it out yeah it's a very earnest sort of straightforward appeal to go see what happens in the series and i actually did just notice that some of the vertical text here we have a a very specific timeline placement for this chapter it is the night before the start of the current storyline so all right then there we go yeah put, put that on the wiki uh i don't know when the storyline itself is but this is definitely the night before well let's go into uh what's traditionally the highlight honestly of the jump victory carnival um definitely official guidebooks and this is naho oishi's dragon ball sd now so for 2012 uh and i guess i can say just like dragon ball super um the dragon ball sd jump victory carnival bonuses have been thrown in in the collected edition of dragon ball sd as well of course the problem is that dragon ball sd is not officially licensed and translated over here in america uh, it is in some places i think germany has it maybe italy has it as well some folks over there in europe are getting sd uh we are not however so you probably have not seen some of these or maybe you have and you're like that looks really funny why is there so much funny trunk stuff out there and yeah that's what oishi has been doing for most of the year so in 2012 she did this real short little thing it's goku and bulma are at i, I think it is the actual psycho g v jump fester and they're just talking about being at the convention uh but then she turned her attention to all right trunks is doing his just like he does in the actual series, this is the events of Trunks and his time traveling, and he has arrived at the wrong point in time. And it's just been this running series of amazing events of Trunks winding up uh, at all these different points littered throughout the Dragon Ball series. Uh, 2019, that's not quite what we have here, though. No, uh... Although this might be my favorite one so far. Uh, I was surprised and delighted by this one, as I typically am with her uh, short entries. Uh, you know what? All right. So let's step back a little bit. Dragon yep. Ball SD, for those who don't know, uh, that's another thing that runs in Psycho Jump. I believe I mentioned it actually started in the very first issue of Psycho Jump. Uh, it's this 
Chibi, SD, Super Deformed retelling of the Dragon Ball series. Initially, it was uh, a little more loose in its storytelling, but as of late, it has basically become, if not panel for panel, like chapter for chapter retelling of Dragon Ball. It's really sad because when Oishi gets a chance to uh, flex her comedic chops, it's usually pretty good. Uh, any of her jokes that, that come across are usually spot on. Uh, when she had a, a brief opportunity to do this little training arc for Goku, it, it was great. Uh, all right, so that takes us into this bonus chapter. This is not chunks in the wrong timeline. This is what do we have here instead? Well, this uh, I'm going to assume that this is uh, canon to the world of SD because it would delight me to think that it is. Currently in the Psycho Jump run, we're in the adaptation of the Namek arc. Uh, pretty right. early on. So we have Vegeta running around collecting the Dragon Balls, uh, the scuffles with uh, Zarvan, Dodoria. Uh, so this chapter begins with a very, very brief recap of what is happening in the main series. Frieza is after the Dragon Balls. Everyone has gone into space to revive their dead friends. But at the same time, on Earth, uh, what is happening? So while uh, everyone is out in space, we have a gang of uh, the B team of villains, I guess, are, are out to take <laughs> over the world. So we have so good. Pilaf gang, Tao Pai Pai uh, as a cyborg, and uh, Dr. Giro as a human, presumably. So we have the five of them ready to rule the world now that they finally have a chance and they're stopped. Uh, there's a dramatic uh, sort of foot, you know, tapping the ground uh, in one panel. And we see a gang of five Saibai men uh, have gathered together uh, to stop them. So the really, really great thing about this is all of the Saibai men have their dialogue. It's just the typical, Giga! Giga! All of these sounds are just in, they, they take up the bulk of the panels, but then there's also parenthetical translations of what they're saying, which is, Typical sort of Japanese hero dialogue, which is just great. So they're saying that they're, they're not going to... see Ore in here. Yeah, well, they're not going to let anyone go who is threatening the peace of Earth. Uh, and then, Ore tachi saibai manga, natte yaru. So we're, we're going to be your opponents now, uh, right? So this gang of five saibai men are going to stop the evildoers. Uh, and then you have the villains in the next panel... Uh, sort of staring in shock and confusion and wondering if, if they aren't villains themselves going by the, the faces of the Cybermen. <laughs> so we get the backstory of them, which is that the Cybermen who exploded during the battle with Vegeta and Nappa, their parts fell into the rich soils of Earth and uh, they were able to regrow themselves. And they've been living secretly in peace uh, in an isolated corner of the Earth. So that's fantastic. We see a little panel of them sort of popping back up from the ground in confusion. and. <laughs> the question marks it's so good yep and then all sort of happily jumping around together afterward as they're fully regrown so then they shout at the villains again they're not going to let anyone disturb their second home world and they announce that they are sci-fi men who were born on earth which i don't think this i tried looking this up i couldn't find anything i don't think this is a direct nod to any of goku's sort of I'm a Saiyajin raised on Earth dialogue. I think the wording is slightly different, but... Yeah, but it, it's a clear nod. I yeah, think so. it, it did feel like a nod to me. So these are Saibai men who are raised on Earth. They're going to defend their second home world. And we see them start to attack and uh, then defeat the other villains. And there's more narration wandering with great gravitas, uh, you know, about supposing that they will be there to protect Earth uh, in the future as well. And as long as the Saibai men are around, uh, peace will reign. <laughs> and then in the final panel, we see that this was all sort of a daydream that Yamcha was having as he, Tenshinhan, Chaozu, and Piccolo uh, are wandering along Snake Way. So uh, we have Tenshinhan shaking Yamcha asking him to snap out of it. And one of my favorite gags in this is Piccolo is shouting to leave him behind and then he's angry at him for wasting their two pages on the sci-fi men. And uh, we have the final little ending narration uh, saying that the, the long road of Snake Way is going to continue, uh, which I believe is uh, a nod to sort of how some of the chapters around this point in the main series ended. Uh, as Goku yeah, was yeah. making his journey. This one's really delightful. And uh, yeah, I think this might be my favorite uh, SD bonus chapter so far. It It's really out of left field and it's really amusing. It is pretty good. I, I, at this point, I think it's a toss up between this one and then the like eight trunks is arriving at the same time. I, I think that's, that's fantastic. That one's good. Was the, was the, was the, my, uh, the one where my tries to go on a date with baby trunks. Was that also 
was that published for something else? Oh, that was, was that the, one of the Valentine bonus things from that last year, that. maybe? It Valentine probably thing? was. Yeah, 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 I couldn't remember if it was that or a Jump Victory Carnival. Okay, uh, that that one might be my favorite overall, but this is probably my pretty good too. Jump Victory Carnival. So uh, let, let's stick with Oishi a little bit here, it, because she, oh, it's just, this is perfect like it's it's clearly just typical fan manga oh god i'm i'm not doing it it justice here but like anyone can write these funny stories but there's just something about oishi and it's not like toyotaro where he throws out facts like oh i didn't forget this oh i remember this like oh i noticed this cranberry design and, and i took this back and i made him into a character isn't that so cool like yeah that that actually is really cool that you did that but i feel like the way that oishi does her jokes and and does these these nods back to the series it's Earnest is the only word I can come up with, but like it's so true to the spirit of Toriyama. I feel like it's just like this perfect encapsulation of the the Doctor Slump kind of like observational humor and just crazy wackiness that somehow also seems to realistically work within the confines of the real story. One of the things that strikes me is, I guess, Toriyama esque. Uh, one of the things that's not Toriyama esque is her use of the the meta series humor, of course. But it's very the setups are very madcap, but then the way they play out from there, it's it's very it's not dry, but it, it's very sincerely played from whatever the absurd premise is, which is something that Doctor. Yeah, she commits to it. Like these yeah. these sci-fi men are truly heroes. I, right, I believe yeah, the, it. The joke is the sci-fi men, and everything that happens situationally after they show up is is funny, but. It's played sincerely once they're there, and that, that's a trick that Toriyama uses a lot in his humor. It's something absurd happens, and then from there, characters respond sincerely, and that's where a lot of the humor is mined. This is really good. I, w- I want so much more of this. I do, too. It's a shame that uh, the main SD series is so uh, such a, a sort of so beholden to the, the structure of the original series now, um, because when she gets to cut loose, it's really, really funny, and she just doesn't have much of an opportunity to do, to do that in the main serialization. I secretly... Not so secretly, because I'm, I'm going to say it right now, I, I really want her in a perfect world. I, I like what Nagayama does on his Heroes series as well for what they are. But I would have really been curious to see what Anaho uh, Oishi could have done on one of the Heroes books where there would be that sort mm. of playground for all of this meta fan humor. Um, and right, see right. if you could cut loose with that there. But uh, yeah, some unintentional connections to one of uh, Toyotaro's previous chapters too. We have the minor sort of mook uh, clone villains uh, regrowing themselves on Earth and living a peaceful existence, which uh, here we have the Saibai men, but in a less comedic take in one of Toyotaro's previous uh, Jump Victory Carnival chapters we had uh, with the Cell Juniors. Probably not at all an intentional homage, but... All right, we got to do it. Despo Fighters. All of these have only been two pages. Uh, Occasionally, Oishi gets four pages. Those are pretty good. The Trunks ones have uh, traditionally been four. Uh, Even Toyotaro has had some four pages. Uh, These are all two. So that means Despo is only two as well. Does it matter what's going on in Despo? What is what is going on in this chapter? Does anyone care? I guess we care. Uh, Despo Fighter Z is a manga about games. It's about Fighter Z and hold hold on. It's fighters. You pronounce it fighters. Oh, did I say Fighter Z? Yeah, that's embarrassing for me. You know what? It's okay because I recently got a press release for something at Comic Con from Bandai themselves. They called it Dragon Ball Z Fighters. So. You know what? You can call it whatever you want to call it. Okay. Uh, I, I know it's fighters. I know it's fighters. Just went on autopilot. So, okay. It's a game about fighters. And one one of our fighters is uh, Kenzo, who is street fighting youth, who is trying to become a pro gamer in a world that is obsessed with fighters in the same way that like everyone in, in Yu-Gi-Oh! plays this card game. Everyone plays fighters and everyone has their little switch equivalent that they bring everywhere with them so in this amusing bonus chapter of my favorite series kenzo goes to the grocery store or possibly kombini and is looking for some sort of sweet because he has an enormous sweet tooth that's one of his only two elements of characterization he reaches for a sample from a little uh, sampling corner at the same time as an elderly man who is also shopping tries to take it So they get into a fight, they pull out their Nintendo Switch equivalents, and they get ready to duke it out in Dragon Ball Fighters. Uh, Kenzo chooses Goku, which is his main 
and the old man chooses Jiren, which is his main, maybe? I don't know. I want to know more about this old man. I want to read his series. I want to know who he is, what his likes, what his dislikes are. Uh, they're fighting over the last sample, which is a little cheese roll. And as they get ready to fight, Judgeman, who is a recurring character who pops out wherever esports are played and introduces the fighters and sets up a little holographic screen to track the matches. Um, it's a recurring quote-unquote gag in the series. He pops out of the sample table, knocking everything to the floor, and, you know, shouts fight. And both Kenzo and the old man are furious with him because in getting ready to announce their match, he knocked the sample to the ground, so now everything is ruined. We have uh, Shindo emerging from the background. Shindo is the top pro gamer in this world. He is who Kenzo aspires to be and to defeat. Uh, he picks up the sample from the ground declares a three-second rule of, right, the three-second rule, you nah. falls on the ground, you can still <laughs> yep, eat it. Yep, I see it. Yep, he starts munching on it, and then they prepare to play out their match as Shindo uh, thinks to himself about how delicious it is, and maybe he'll buy 100 of these. And we're invited to follow the continuing adventures of Kendo in the world of Despo Fighter. Fight, I guess Despo Fighters. I've always said Despo Fighters Z to myself. I think that's why I made that mistake. I guess it's just Despo Fighters. My favorite part of this is uh, I like when the last Jiren is here. Jiren. I like Jiren. Adds a lot of liveliness to this chapter. All right. So Despo, it started when the Switch version of Fighters was coming out. So this is why there's a Switch equivalent in there. It's as transparent as an advertisement spinoff manga can be. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, it happened to come out right around the time that Bandai Namco or someone, one of the rights holders, was throwing out cease and desists to tournaments that wanted to host Dragon Ball Fighters. All the meanwhile, Shueisha is publishing a manga about how Dragon Ball Fighters is an esport, so that that was a really fun time. Uh, it's been going for a while. The art totally fell apart over the first three or four chapters, and uh, as far as we know, it's 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 still going <laughs> in Psycho Jump. What what chapter are we up to? Like eight or something? Maybe. Uh, God only knows. I've got a stack of Psycho Jumps that I haven't gotten rid of specifically because I'm planning on cataloging their uh, Despo material at some point. But it's just really not enjoyable. To to read through especially if you're also putting in time on top of it to basically doing translations to summarize it and then write an english summary it's it's a truly uh i don't want to editorialize too much but it's a truly bad series it's it's one of the worst comics i've ever read uh, regardless of country of origin it, it has a moderately amusing gag every once in a while but otherwise it's just the stockest of stock characters and and truly this is the only series the only dragon ball spinoff running in psycho jump that feels like it is is truly targeting Psycho Jump's demographic, which is very, very young children. Most of the content outside of the Dragon Ball series in the magazine tends to be very, very juvenile. And this one is more in the general Psycho Jump mode than either Heroes or SD manages to be. Yeah, I actually have the, because they put out their demographic. So for 2018, Shueisha themselves reported Psycho Jump's readership as 58.5% upper elementary school, 28% lower middle school, 11% middle school, and 2.5% high school or older. Yeah, this uh, is by far the most shameful thing I ever buy in Japan. Uh, I This is the one where I, I look both ways to make sure I'm not seen by any students uh, when I have to buy Psycho Jump. I mean, V-Jump is like, oh, it's got Dragon Ball Super, it's got some video game stuff. It's like, oh yeah, that's, that's v, a reasonable... V-Jump, it's not, you know, I'd be like, oh, I like Dragon Ball. Uh, there, there's nothing inherently shameful about V-Jump. Uh but there is something inherently and deeply shameful about Psycho Jump. But it's it's shocking, actually. That there... <laughs> you know what? You're you're saying this to a man who turns to his left. And <laughs> well, effectively I have, has a I have them collection. too. I have them too. Uh, you know, there, there's merit in cataloging this stuff, and I do enjoy. Uh, I guess th two and a half of the Dragon Ball series that are currently running in it. Oh, and that had the the <laughs> GT anime adaptation, which is still going. Uh, I actually, yeah. I would make fun of that, but I usually get a little caught up in reading that when I turn to it. And I, I enjoy it and yeah, generally. That one's all right. Yeah, it's fine. Panels from or screenshots from the anime uh, arranged as panels. But yeah, it's shocking also that uh, Psycho Jump is that in touch with its demographic, because generally my feeling is that uh, younger serialized manga readership in magazines is sort of on the decline. So to actually be able to hold on right. to that elementary school demographic that heavily is 
pretty impressive, but you can see just how much they're targeting a really young readership with most of its content. Well, you say that that's what their their demographics are. It doesn't say how large. That's true. That's true. I mean, but I, I think, yeah, I think most of the other magazines are, are skewing a little bit older than they maybe would want. All right. So those were the five bonus chapters in this. Uh, the nice thing is that the Dragon Ball Super ones are being translated and included by Viz, so you get those. The others, oh man, unless you're in one of those countries that's getting uh, Dragon Ball SD, and, and that's great, you know, we're, we're just not getting these over here. And I feel like the SD ones are, are the biggest loss to Dragon Ball fandom and readership. They're just really fun. They're they're a nice little once a year. We get this cute little thing from Oishi sometimes two or three times a year. She's doing the Valentine's Day bonus or she's got a special appearance in another magazine, something like that. These are just fun. And it's it's a shame that Oishi in particular is locked away doing a, a, a slavish retelling of the series when she could be doing something like this. Uh, I don't know what I would have to say about Yoshitaka Nagayama because... He's got plenty of work to do over there in Psycho Jump, and, and these are what they are. I guess I like last year's better where a few was kind of very self-aware, but that, that fits in actually in with his character. I don't know if they were trying to make him almost like a, the Deadpool of <laughs> of Dragon Ball, like kind of knowing where he is in the canon, so to speak. These are all fine. They're fine. I wouldn't necessarily say you need to go out and start building up your Jump Victory Carnival uh, official guidebook collection if you hadn't already started one. Uh, I believe Julian went to one or two of the events, uh, maybe 20, whatever that bag is over there. I think that's the one he brought back me. It was at 2014, maybe. Uh, so he started my collection for me. So that's how I got roped into, I don't know, feeling obligated to to keep purchasing these. Uh, but we get to write about them. We get to talk about them. So I guess that's a good thing. I don't know. How do, how do you feel? Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed most of these to some extent. Uh, really, just particularly the SD one. The other is take them or leave them. Toyotaro generally gets something slightly amusing out of this format. Less so this time, but it, it has a little bit of appeal to it. I definitely agree that these are better off used uh, as an opportunity for a little bit of advertisement and some levity or comedy to go along with it. That, that really seems like what the format lends itself to. Uh, granted, everyone but Nagayama at least tried to do that a, a little bit this time. Um, yeah, we'd love to see him go back to more of the sort of madcap fourth wall breaking stuff um, in these. You know, uh, I don't remember if we actually said the name of the author of Despo's, uh, Hiroshi Otogi, who yes. uh, I, I do want to pull you in and uh, I'm going to make you read all of the Dragon Ball Fusions manga because from what little I've tried to read myself... And I threw a bunch at Julian as we were trying to do some documentation stuff looking for characters specifically, but we didn't get the chance to really sit and, and, and dive into it. I do want to go back to that because I feel like that's where the fun was. That's where the, the art really had a chance to shine and it was really given a spotlight and not so much here in Despo. Yeah, I'd be curious to read Fusions at some point, uh, if only because it's one of the only, I guess, longer spinoff manga that I haven't read for Dragon Ball at this point. So yeah, yeah. sometime I'd, I'd love to go through it. Well, I love in quotes. I, I might hate it once I start. <laughs> uh, I'm curious <laughs> enough to... Careful what you wish for. Yeah. Well, you know what? Thank you so much for joining me. I've uh, wanted to talk about these for a while because again I, I turn around I look I'm like all right what are what's something that I have a giant pile of that we can talk about oh yeah I, I really like these and I know people see them occasionally whether it's the translated viz versions or even some fan translations out there of some of these comics like where did that come from because I remember when super started it was like oh it's super chapter three like no, that's not actually the third chapter of that it it comes from this book this is where it all comes from and this is how it fits in so uh if you didn't know well hopefully now you know more about these uh and if you haven't seen any of the 2019 ones well here they are uh you and i kind of plug away very very slowly whenever we feel like it uh at some of the wiki documentation and i'm actually doing some of the website proper documentation all the super stuff is in there already and uh you know i built out the fusion section so uh, you've been doing the <laughs> the despo <laughs> yeah so very, very slowly i will get around to all of it eventually it's it, the magazines are still sitting here for it so no rush i'm not, i don't say this to pressure you in any way to do it i just want people to know that someone somewhere cares isn't necessarily the right word to use but feels you know two percent of an obligation to to make sure they're talked about because you know what i think about is all right who is the equivalent of me 
in 20 years from now. Uh, I'm hoping it'll still be me 20 years from now. But, you know, if it's not, maybe there's someone else out there that's like, I saw this thing and I don't know where it came from. And where where did it come from? Who wrote it? When was it released? How was it released? Uh, some of the things I've run into were like the the, the Cardas uh, comics from the initial trial issues of V-Jump. Like, there's effectively zero documentation out there about that stuff. Even in Japanese, there's just very little out there about these. Uh, so we, we just we want to talk about it. We want to let people know that these things existed. You know, Despo isn't good. Discross isn't good, but they did exist. Someone put some time and effort into them, and even if it was just a kind of a, a shill over in there, uh, it, it's worth uh, acknowledging the existence of yeah absolutely. Uh, that's how i feel about I, I feel it. the same way uh it, it deserves to be documented and i want the information to be there for people who do encounter it and are curious about its existence uh ian what you got going on uh I, I, people can follow you on twitter i guess uh right? yeah you can follow me on twitter I, I nominally talk mostly about dragon ball on there but really just use it for whatever i want uh more mario maker levels show me all the Mario. a lot of mario maker come come follow me for mario maker and i I also sometimes talk about Dragon Ball. Uh, so I'm at Cypher, uh, C-I-P-H-E-R underscore D-B on Twitter. And uh, yeah, you're, you're there with us in the background. I appreciate it. I, I love having, I, I can't express enough how thankful I am to have found like-minded people who, who care about this stuff in even remotely the same way that I do, sometimes to a, a deeper level. Everyone has their interests in their own little pet projects, but um, let me be not the last to say that I appreciate everything that you do and, and your involvement with us and, and your care about uh, Toriyama's stuff little series here yeah much appreciated thank you thank you once again to ian as i'm recording this i'm seeing lots of uh hashtags and trending things flying around on twitter i believe i remember this from last year it's simultaneously international podcast day and something about international translator recognition day and that could not possibly be any more Konzenshu in a nutshell right there. Uh, so on the International Podcast Day front, while this episode isn't quite coming out exactly for that day, uh, I just want to appreciate and acknowledge kind of like two sides here. One is if you're listening to the show right here, uh, wow, thanks. I uh, appreciate that. We've been doing this a long time. And I know Konzenshu uh, isn't the, the the style, the delivery, the, the type of discourse and conversation that you necessarily may see elsewhere out there on the internet but uh, i really do feel like it's the kind of show that if you're looking for something like this oh this is exactly what it is you're looking for so uh, we appreciate you as an audience and i just want to say to everyone else that helps make this happen for me thank you so that's to heath to julian of course pulling jake in there as well uh ian this week uh, Stacy, Joe, who's been joining us quite a bit lately, just all these friends and extended Konsenshu family. I do this show. I haven't looked at statistics for the show in years. I have no idea who listens to it, when, how. I don't really care. I do this because I enjoy having these conversations. And I know Heath and I have talked about this kind of thing, but a lot of the, uh, the guides that we do on the site, a lot of the resources, uh, listings, documentation, spreadsheets, all these things we do. We do it for ourselves because it helps us do additional work, but also just we, we like to, we're, we're like that. We need to have things cataloged, need to know what's what. Uh, and the podcast for me is kind of like this creative extension of that. It's I just love having great conversations with people that I know and appreciate and uh, in some ways have reverence for. I, I really do think we've pulled in the best of the best out there, the the most knowledgeable, the friendliest the, the just the the backbone of Dragon Ball in the English language. Uh, I think we've gathered them all here, and they're the ones that you hear on this show. Uh, that means a lot to me. So on this, the obviously most official of international podcast days, I say thank you to the listeners, uh, the audience. I say thank you to all of my cohorts here as well. What's on the horizon for us? Well, uh, as you're listening to this, New York Comic Con is happening the upcoming weekend, and that's where I'm going to be. 
Uh, I will be there the, the vast majority of the weekend checking out various things as it relates to Dragon Ball. There's a couple specific panels. Stay tuned to Twitter's probably, honestly, the best place for the real-time uh, commentary on that. If you want to follow Kanzenshu on Twitter, if you're not already, uh, I will try to do Instagram as well this year. I know the kids use Instagram. I'm sorry, I'm old. I forget to use it, but I will I will do a better job. I will try to do so. I will try to use both Twitter and Instagram to show what's going on at Comic-Con and uh, just on Kanzenshu in general. Other than that, I guess just one little podcast plug. I did a, uh, a special interview guest appearance on a podcast called Fresh Geek Context a little over a year ago. That was uh, in kind of like mid-late summer 2018. They just had me back on this week to, uh, it has nothing to do with Dragon Ball, but if you may possibly have listened to some of the um, musical side of commentary I've done, uh, we just reviewed the latest Blink-182 album, Nine. So I was uh, very appreciative that they asked me on to talk about that. So if you want to check that out, just, uh, I don't know, actually just go to my Twitter, Vegito Hex, and you'll, you'll see a link to it there or search out uh, Fresh Geek Context. So you can, it's a real podcast, so you can subscribe all the normal ways that you listen to podcasts. Uh, that's that. So www.kanzenshuu.com. That is kanzenshu.com. Uh, I have been Mike Fujito EX. It's lovely chatting with you folks. I will see you next time here on the show. Kanzenshu, the podcast episode uh, pound zero four. I don't know. We're coming up on 500. I don't know what I'm doing for 500. Yeah, I should probably figure out what I'm doing for 500. That feels like a significant milestone. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, bye folks. Uh, kick it!